What's up, what's up? Another Tuesday, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, the Football Academy. I am here, Sapoon, with Will and Braden. How is it going, guys? I'm doing well. Um, I don't know. This is going to be a tough podcast. That things did not go <laughs> my way this past week, so um, this is going to be interesting. How are you feeling, Will? Uh, a little bit better than you. <laughs> uh, it was a it was a rough one for you, Braden, and I feel bad for you. Uh, and I give you my best thoughts. Um, but I'm going to start off by throwing one up to a homeboy of mine, Grant Imahara from Mythbusters. I love you. We miss you, bruh. Damn, that hurt my childhood in the fields. R.I.P. Grant. Love it. All right. I mean, there's a lot of sadness to talk about. One of the things that we can cover first up is the Manchester City ruling that came in. Not going to be banned for two years from the Champions League, they are going to be back next year. And from the looks of it, they are probably going to win a Champions League within the next couple of years. And yeah, I think it's a very interesting decision from Cass. And I would love to read their opinion when it comes out. Any thoughts from you guys? Braden? Yeah, so I agree with you. I haven't read the opinion yet, but it's uh, it seems to me that they kind of got through on some technicalities. So things like statute of limitations were mentioned and various other things that make me think that, I don't know, it, it wasn't very, uh, it, it didn't seem like, yes, Manchester City are exonerated and we think they did the right thing. It seemed more of like, well, you can't, you can't put the, this on them for X, Y, and Z reason. And I was a little surprised to see Casco that way because it seems like with what Manchester City were accused of and and kind of the shadiness of which they dealt with, I felt they would take a harder line on that, but they didn't. So uh, I'm interested to see where it goes from here because I think City are definitely taking a look at this and saying, we are good. We're going to keep doing what we've done, and you guys can't fuck with us now. Will? I'd love... I'd love to read that opinion, because, like, from the evidence that I've seen, or what have, has been presented to the public, um, I was just like, oh, well, City kind of fucked up here and it really did feel like to speak to what Braden said it was more of a it wasn't a we got you you're going down it was more of a well I mean everyone could do this if I mean it's okay um the CAS typically does a fantastic job with with what they are tasked to do I'm hella disappointed I'd say mad, but it come off as kind of pompous. So very, very disappointed. I'd share more words, but but again, I'd come off as a smug and a pompous ass. So I'm going to keep my uh, anti-Gallagher brother sentiment to myself. <laughs> All right. Well, since we started with Man City, we can start with their game from this past week as well. 5-0 win. Oh, damn, it seems weird to say. Um, against Newcastle United, <laughs> uh, I like yeah, the Newcastle are shit, Man City are not, and uh, like yeah, the, that goal by Sterling, I guess, kind of showed you exactly how shit Newcastle are, and don't really have anything else to say. Good on Sterling for getting the uh, hat trick. Oh, sorry, the ninetieth minute goal. I apologize, <laughs> I mixed up the two games, but yes, good on Sterling to get on the score sheet. And yeah, five now. Like Newcastle are bad, and that's kind of what the game portrayed. What did you think, Will? I'm not gonna spend too much time on this. I think it's very telling that Sapoon just mixed up the ass weapons because I, I low key was like, yeah, this was the one that. Oh uh, no, nah, was the other one. Um, fuck City, fuck them right in the ass. Newcastle, I don't even have hope for y'all. I just kind of, I'm just kind of watching y'all because y'all there. So it is, it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, so 
I like right. you. I don't necessarily know. There's a ton to talk about this game. Uh, City came out and did what City does. They beat a team that's not very good, and they beat them by a lot. And I won't necessarily go and say that Newcastle are shit, even though I've kind of been on that bandwagon a lot this year. Um, I don't think that this game necessarily proves that. It's just City are really good at times, and this was one of those times. Indeed. Uh, I don't think there needs to be a lot more said. Someone that needs to say a lot to his team, the West Ham United nil Burnley won. That was a very English game from back in the day, and Burnley um, edged out the winners. And again, one of those games where West Ham needed three points desperately to kind of get safe and away from the relegation zone, could not get the points that they needed, and good on Burnley to get the points even when you know they're really not fighting for anything real anymore so i mean will what did you think of that game i'm gonna mention this a couple times when we talk about burnley um nick pope out here trying to audition for actual literal pope uh i'm gonna talk more about it in the next match because obviously that might mean more to me but everything that happened with burnley this weekend was about how, like, this dude, real good. Like, real, real good. And starting to make a case for maybe moving up the roster to his home country. I lost my voice at the end. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know that... Uh, uh, Nick Pope is really good. That that much is very clear. And... Thinking about West Ham in this game, I think that it's it's got to be frustrating if you're a West Ham supporter to see you go out and beat Chelsea like you did, score three goals. And granted, you know Nick Pope is one of the better keepers of this league, and Kepa is not one of the better keepers of this league. But to score three goals on Chelsea and then you know, put up a goose egg against Burnley has to be frustrating to watch. And this is the thing that relegation teams do is they struggle with consistency. And I think that's what happened with West Ham this game. And that's why they're uh, scrapping to stay up. Indeed. Very well put there, Braden. Another team that has, or another group of teams that have had a hard time being consistent are the teams that are vying for the top four, the final two top four spots. Sheffield United won, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. A big, big win for Sheffield United, and I was very happy with the win because it kind of opened a window for Manchester United. But again, Wolves, another team that is putting out the pressure, putting on some pressure on the old guard of the top four. And again, if they if the result had gone a different way, they probably would have been a lot better. But Wolves struggling against a team that plays very similar football in terms of the high-intensity game that Sheffield United like to play and edged out the win at the very end. So good on Sheffield United. Um, good thing Wolves didn't yeah, win. Yeah, I was surprised and, yeah, to see that was pretty Wolves much my takeaway. What about kind of struggle with this game because I feel like, I don't know, Wolves have kind of seemed like they turned a corner since the restart and that they were being a little bit more consistent, that they were showing that they proved to to be worthy of fighting for that top four spot that maybe I think everyone kind of before thought that they were mostly a Europa league team that, and it was kind of cute that they were putting pressure on the top four, but not taking them seriously. Uh, after this restart, Wolves have been coming out of the gate really well. And I was surprised to see them drop points here. Uh, it's kind of the traditional thing that they maybe regress to of struggling to, to take on a team that wants to just defend and then hit, hits you back on the counter and doesn't really want the ball. Um, and that was a little concerning to see for me. What do you think, Will? I, I'm i really just happy to see Sheffield kind of continue this push for, for Europe. Like, they're making an honest chance about it, and they're coming out and playing the ball that we've been excited about watching them play. I really enjoyed this match, hand to God, because it was just two teams who play... Sheffield play the less classy version of Wolves' classy style of football. Like you said, Sapoon, very high intensity. 
um, watching them go out and kind of, not a slugfest, but just play a decent match of football was really, really enjoyable to watch. I'm really kind of jazzed to watch Sheffield and Wolves for the rest of the season. Like, these are the teams I want to watch. I want to see what they do. Low-key, I want Sheffield Wednesday in Europe real, real bad. Sapoon, do you do you agree? I mean, I am very happy for Sheffield United, and I, I really want them to get Europe because if we don't bring back Dean Henderson for next year and we still loan him out to Sheffield United, it will allow for him to play some Europa League games and, you know, gain confidence there where it might become very important for him to grow as a young goalkeeper. So I'm all about Sheffield United going out and doing their mm-hmm. thing. And to be honest, I really enjoy watching Sheffield United play because when they're in song and like the players know what the other players are doing, it's a lot more entertaining. The injuries right when the re- project restart had started, um, it, it kind of didn't look very great for Sheffield United and they played some difficult teams. But then again, now they're finally hitting their stride and uh, getting the results that they deserve and a good 1-0 win against a team that is also vying for a Champions League slash Europa League spot. So if somehow Sheffield United get Champions League, I w- that would be fucking crazy. Just going to put that out there. But moving along to the next game, Liverpool 3, Brighton 1. Good on Liverpool. Brighton don't really have a lot to honestly be fighting for right now. And yeah, uh, that was pretty much my take from this game. What do you think about it? R.I.P. Hendo's William Webb right now because because he's my captain and I love him. Um, it's it's another record day. First team to uh, fastest to thirty wins. We only did it within thirty four games. Liverpool win. Brighton looked like a team who also played. Trossard had a pretty classy finish with his goal that he scored. Uh. I could go on and extol a bunch of virtues and BS, but y'all don't want to hear that shit. Y'all want to hear me talk we about We do not. Else. So, Brayden, I default the floor to you. <laughs> I could talk shit all day, but I default the floor to you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a lot to break down in this game. Um, I do think that what happened to Hendo is going to be interesting for how Liverpool approach the rest of this run-in that we have. Um, I might be tempted to rest a little bit more and maybe only play for the FA Cup. Because you've already got everything wrapped up. Uh, if, if you had a... Oh, that's right. Yeah, they got bounced from that. So, never mind. I I would kind of shut... I would shut this down for a lot of They're players. They're not in then, the FA If you have season ending... Well, season ending. <laughs> but if you have long-term injuries for a guy like Van Dyke, Salah, any of these guys, that's a... You need to start thinking of next season. And I'm curious as to see whether that that is something that Klopp will do or kind of continue with what he's been doing so far. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see them rest, but at the same time, I think I I think you play the players that are available to you. Maybe don't like sub five of them at the 60 65th minute after you've taken a lead but i think it's good pre-season practice the way i if i was Jurgen club i'd be looking at it that you can't really get anywhere because at the end of the day once they're done with this and they'll have a month to prepare for things and then come back in september for the next season so i again if uh, liverpool want to break that uh points record they need to at least win the next two no, they need to win all their next three games. So I really need y'all to beat Chelsea. Not going to say I'm going to be cheering y'all on, but I would really hope if y'all that y'all can beat a lowly team like Chelsea to, excuse me, put the mark on being, quote-unquote, the best champions of England that's ever been. <laughs> so having said that, moving along to the next game, going from one side of Merseyside to the other Everton Football Club playing Liverpool under 23s, aka Southampton Football Club. I thought this was one of the shittiest games I've ever seen. Like, 
played by Everton and Southampton are a very, very solid team that did not have a very good game here. Um, and yeah, I think neither of the two teams are really fighting for something huge. They both were like, hey, if we win, we win. If we don't win, we don't win. Danny Ings scoring a Danny Ings kind of a goal and up there in the golden boot questions. And yeah, Everton, I think it was a fantastic goal from Everton as well. But again, 1-1, nothing much else to take, in my opinion. I think you may that. have done just a Will, wee bit of disservice <laughs> to the homeboy Danny Ings. Uh, I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh, Richarlison did score a nice one. Uh, Everton just continue to be Everton and exist in my world. Um, but I got to say something about that Danny Ings goal because it was mentioned I've looked at the replay a thousand times. You can't tell me there's not something just fantastic about that touch he takes away with his back foot without paying much attention to it away from Jordan Pickford to score that goal. I I said it before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. The dude is kind of weird and fantastic with the ball kind of under his feet, and that touch was just, upon further inspection, was a little bit classier than I gave it credit for. And that's fine. Bro, he he himself did not know where the ball was after that touch. Bro, you're telling me like Like, some people some people don't have that awareness. You're gonna tell me Richarlison can do the same thing? I don't think he can. Okay. Alright, he probably could, but like I stand on the table. Richarlison scored a much better goal that actually was technical. And like nothing against Danny Ings, but like this is not a Danny Ings goal that I'm gonna be like, hey. This is why I think a team that needs goal should sign him. Like, that is kind of... Like, there are a lot of things to praise so Danny Ings about. So, I'm actually going to side with Will on anyway, this one. I, I think it's a, it's a I nice little pullback to... I just looked at the replay because I was like, did I like, miss something about that goal? Get the ball yeah, that was my take. into Sorry. where he needed to get to to, sco- to have a shot to score a goal. And I think that's an underrated aspect of his game. Of just... it. There's something that he does of where he gets in the position and gets shots off. And I think this was one of those things that he just, you know, like you said, it's not very technical. It's just kind of like a tap to himself, but it's the right one they need at that time. And I don't know that a lot of players take that touch versus just, you know, try to blast it into the net from there when they have the option. I I thought it showed decent enough composure and I, I thought it was a pretty decent goal from Helm. Um, I will say, if you look at this game, some of this is the missed penalty, but Southampton pretty much dominated Everton in XG, 2.3 to 0.67. Uh, so I think they feel a little hard done by. But I, I agree with you. Overall, this was a pretty terrible game. <laughs> Can I say one more thing? Oh. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I agree. And I... I, I... No. Um, uh, no, the the only thing I will say is that as much as I love the goal, yeah, okay, you can go it ahead. was a very, very decent bit of build-up play in the goal by Southampton. And I want to see them play more next season because there is a little there's a little bit of a, not flair, but there's a little bit of creativity in the side. If they can hold on to it, I'd like to see. Well, I think they're staying up, so I, I think you'll get to see more of them before, next year. Before y'all tell me I'm wrong. I know. I just. <laughs> um, I, I will say one thing about, and I guess I'll uh further my point in the later game. But the turnaround with Southampton has been kind of brilliant to watch. So we'll talk about that when they destroyed my dreams at the theater of dreams. Anyway, moving along to something that reminded me of a time when Manchester United were managed by Jose Mourinho and the team that he manages now in Tottenham Hotspurs played Bournemouth Football Club, who were fighting relegation, desperately trying to save their lives, and Spurs then manage a shot on target the whole 90 minutes. It ended nil-nil. It was a big point for Bournemouth. And I watched the game, and towards the end of it, it looked like Spurs were the team that were trying to hang on to it, and yeah, I pretty much agree with you there. Like it was a lot of correctly, and I, like you said, yeah, it Bournemouth seemed like a team that were taking the initiative Jose at the Mourinho end, and Mourinho. Spurs just kind of hanging them, hanging on. 
And the goal was correctly disallowed, but it is one of those. Yes, it hits the hand, but it's not like. It's not like he's trying to use it to to score a goal. Like it, it was the correct decision. But Spurs did kind of get let off by the fact that we have VAR this season, uh, because a referee's never catching that. I don't think. Um. But I think you're right. Like this was a trademark recent Jose game, and we'll get to another one of those later. Um, but it was. Not it was not really great to watch. I couldn't agree more, Braden. It was it wasn't fun. And right now with the way the world is, I want a little bit more fun. I wish I had more to add. It 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 proves itself to be right a little bit later, but Bournemouth kind of took a little bit they ratcheted up the intensity and kind of looked like a side that was had some hunger, which I appreciated. Um, I low key like if if the next match hadn't happened, I would just not want to talk about Tottenham anymore because like this is a Jose Mourinho team that like I picture in my head when I talk about parking the bus, where it's just like the most boring thing in the world, and I want to die on the inside. That's kind of how I felt about this match with the exception of the building of Bournemouth towards the end. And it's more about what they do later on than it is about this match. So let's not waste our breath on this. Let's just watch the game. Moving along to the next game, another relegation-threatened team at home, Aston Villa Football Club. Playing Manchester United, Man United, comfortable winners, 3-0. Did not play their best game, in my opinion. Um, we can talk about the Bruno Fernandes penalty. Uh, Braden and I have talked about it a little bit. I'd love to know your opinion about that. And along with that, the wonder kid, Mason Greenwood right now, just cannot stop scoring. So Left foot, right foot, bullshit about doesn't matter. You said, but Kids you're not got it all. Home what do you think, Will? Lit. Like, he looks really good, and... I'm not excited to watch this development because I'm not, but I do kind of want to, I want to see the kind of player he matures into because he could be that kind of, he could make me excited for another team I like that has nothing to do with Manchester United. So I want to see him do well. And I hate saying that out loud. Fuck you. Um, I'm not going to say anything about the Bruno Fernandez thing because you were going to win that match either. And I like the headline reads questionable penalty claim opens floodgates. I'm just going to go ahead and say this as a fucking scouser. Fuck that fucking headline. Y'all niggas going to win this shit anyway. Fuck it. Like Manchester United had this one in the bag. Apologize for my language, but like that headline is BS. That like, there's nothing in that. There's nothing in that for me. And I just kind of won't stop hearing about it because they, they played a great game. The floodgates didn't open. They would have opened it either way. So it actually kind of it made me a little mad. Sikun. It made me a little mad. Like that's yeah. A little so whether like, or not that was a penalty, I, I agree with yeah. with Will, and that, you, that doesn't really make much of a difference as far as how this game goes. I, I think Manchester United win it comfortably either way, and and that headline does do the <laughs> game itself a disservice. Braden. As for whether or not it was a penalty, I think it really depends on how you interpret things. I, you know, what exactly is Bruno supposed to do? Like he is in the air and his, the law of gravity says his foot has to come down and the player kind of moves into that space after he's in the air. And it's, I don't know. It's unfortunate all the way around, I guess. So I, if you think it's not a penalty, that's your right. If you think it, it shows still a penalty. I think that's fine too. It's it's all in how you want to see it, in my opinion. Okay. I mean, I agree with you. I think. Ole said it the best way where it's like he jumps and then the defender gets into his space. So it's kind of like 
um in nba it's called a foul when you know two players jump and like somebody comes in the middle and does not allow you a safe landing it is a foul and i think that is what happened and i was i and i'll go into details more and more but the guy who really made me happy other than greenwood in this game was watching anthony marcial he's really really becoming a proper number 9 like the goal for mason greenwood like greenwood's going to get all the plaudits but he fights for the ball he gets the ball and allows both the runners to go past him absolutely brilliant number 9 work so very happy to see what Martial is becoming with him as the number nine, wearing the number nine shirt that makes him happy. Moving along to the next team, the mighty Watford to Newcastle United one. I think it just came down to Watford were playing for something. Newcastle United really aren't playing for anything at this point. And 2-1 Watford. I don't like two penalties from our Cajonas boy in Troy Dini and uh, Dwight Gale had opened the scoring. Yeah, I, I think he had made this was one kind of a trash game before. <laughs> he said Watford the, came the back, two penalties. So um, I think good, big, big win for Watford. Watford Newcastle really couldn't care Newcastle less. I think they're one. waiting and for the Saudi really, takeover. Like, that's all the takeaway I have. Like, like you and, said, uh, Newcastle yeah, kind of going through emotions at this point. I think some guys are think of that, Braden. Not necessarily playing for their jobs, but trying to trying to get in some form, trying to impress in case there is a takeover and their decisions made there. I think they want to leave a good impression. And I don't know. There's that much more to talk about. I won't waste too much more time talking about it. Um, shout out to the homie Fat Drake with two goals. Let's go, Fat Drake. Woo, Katie, I still love you. Um, I don't, I don't have much more to add aside from like a Fat Drake joke. And uh, I only watch Newcastle for the flashes of Miggy smile. So let's just go to the next match. <laughs> Well, moving on to the next game, the side that permanently got relegated for this season in Norwich <laughs> City after a shambolic performance against West Ham United, Antonio with four fucking goals was a wild, wild game to watch. I did, I was not expecting that when I watched that game. I expected maybe 2-0 from West Ham. Um, maybe David Moyes, having spent some time at Leipzig, is really doing something at West Ham and is going to be scary. For all the European teams in the future, but I as things stand, they are fighting relegation, and this I, was a big four. I for enjoy them. our podcast, well, and I enjoy that we last week were like Antonio, he's pretty legit, and then the motherfucker came out and put out four. <laughs> like I, I feel justified that we are a good podcast because he did that. So shout out to us for being decent. Um, with that being said, Alexa, play that fucking Sarah McLaughlin song. But I really won't, Norwich. Uh, I'll remember Pookie. I'll remember that time y'all be City. Uh, R.I.P. to the Canaries. Yeah, so... Uh, here's a wrestling joke page. So looking at this game, I've, I've got a couple things I want to mention. Uh, number one, I will remember where, where I heard Todd Cantwell ends up next, next year. Fingers crossed, maybe it's Arsenal. So um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, number the two, Antonio got the Braden bump. I was the one who who brought up that he was play that he played very well against Chelsea. I know. And here we go. That's all I've got to say about Leeds this game. Are coming up, by the way. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hashtag Braden Bump. (laughs) 
I will I will say as far as Norwich City go, um, as you said, Todd Cantwell, I'm gonna keep an eye on Buendia because I think on a good team he might be something special. And um the right back, Max Irons, could also be something for the future. So it's a team that I hope to see back in the Premier League any um That's hopefully really in harsh. a couple of years' time, but we'll see where <laughs> all these players end up. Moving along to the next game. Liverpool won, Nick Pope won, brilliant game at Anfield. Fi- finally a draw, or I guess dropping points for Liverpool at Anfield this season. Um, I think it was, as I said, Nick Pope, you did your job. But I guess you didn't do your job because Liverpool still scored one. I think Burnley <laughs> very well could have won that game at the very end, but I mean, yes, I, I'm just trying to be a dick right now, but I think um, yep. <laughs> Jay, Jay Rodriguez, the one that got away from Southampton um, and did not come to Liverpool in that good Southampton team at one point, proved his point at Anfield by saying, I can score as many goals as Bobby Firmino in in the Premier League at Anfield. And uh, yeah, I think Burnley should have won that game. If they had, I think it would have been a very like funny story. I don't think for either one of the two teams the result of the game meant 100% anything, but I think Burnley will take the point and take it as a point of pride. Liverpool look like they're going through the motions and dropped a couple more points on their way to becoming the greatest champions of England anyone's ever seen. Saturday, we had to build a fence in our newly bought house. So the Liverpool match was playing over the loudspeaker in the backyard. And by loudspeaker, I mean the Google Nest. Um, I was very preoccupied with the match, so most of the fence is kind of fucked up, and that's probably my fault. Um, but I will say this. Of everything I experienced outside with that match, the experience I had building the fence was similar to what anyone trying to score a goal for Liverpool felt like. There was just some white dude huh. in the way. Who I was going to say, if, if your fence looks you messed could, up, so it probably looks like uh, so I'm gonna give Firmino was taking shots at it after the, the way he hit the post. Uh, that fence, and I'm going to give the, Nick Pope his due as England number one at some point. Wide open Anfield, I was like, alright, here it is. He's, he's finally going to do it. And, and nope, hit the post. Um, or Like, or like he has mentioned, Nick Pope was fantastic in this game, and the fact that Burnley got anything from it is solely down to Nick Pope being really, really good. Um, what this means for England, I think. I think England have a really tight race oh, at keeper. Um, there's, you know, we've we've kind of joked about Pickford at times this season, um, but I think he's really in trouble <laughs> if England are serious about this being a competition and not just anointing the guy who was ever there before. So, I was going to say, a point of that is I feel that um, I feel that Henderson's distribution is mostly long balls. Like, he can blast it to the forward line, but I haven't really seen a whole lot of him, like, cycling it through to defenders I mean, and playing out from... I think England goes... Um, like, really playing out when you think of keepers like Henderson or Allison, who are kind of known the for their distribution I think Henderson's more. getting there in um, terms of being able to play the ball Which can long, be fine. Like, if, but, you want, um, if that's what you want, that's perfectly that fine. Goes. And Sheffield have Nick that, Hope, though, and that's how they play, and it works for them. So I'm not discounting that. But we'll see. So go ahead, spin. I mean, can I say something real quick, though? That's a fair point. Uh, I mean, I was <laughs> just going to say that English the two keepers you named are Brazilian, <laughs> and you're asking an Englishman to 
be somewhere similar to Brazilian and that's not going to happen. It's like, like the last time I saw, like half their midfielders can pass the ball properly for England. So like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to expect the goalkeeper to have as good a passing <laughs> as Ederson. Like Ederson could probably play midfield for fucking England if he wanted to. And what I saw of England the last decade. I hate you. But that seems a little too harsh, you know, but. Again, England hasn't had a good midfielder since fucking Paul Scholes retired in 2004. <laughs> anyway, moving along to the next. <laughs> hey, okay. I hate you too, brother. Um, moving along to the next game that I don't hate, that I really, really loved. Chris Wilder and them boys, three. Chelsea, nil. Talking about Dean Henderson. Fucking missed a clean sheet. The only person who has more clean sheets than him is Nick Pope. So there's that. But. At the age that he is, it's brilliant to see him. And the game that Sheffield United played, I think Chelsea looked like absolute dog piss. File this game like, under things they you love to see. I don't know what Frank I, Lampard was I thinking. I just really enjoyed watching like, Sheffield Jorginho take it to Chelsea. Jorginho can't defend, can't really um, pass the ball in the way. I, everything you mentioned was correct. It, it Lampard like, wants him to. And then you it, start it him like Sheffield and Tammy Abraham have kind of done this in the same game. Teams that who haven't to really play been pressure, teams that very want best. to... Play I think once Giroud all that, came on, you saw what say, they really that. needed to do game, all 90 minutes by being a bit more direct. And but it was too late because it was 2-0 by then. With our and, and if there's a team whose defense can't deal with players and they're the not points. in North London on the red side, so Braden, I'm gonna come to it's you Chelsea. First. They are a mess at the back, and they couldn't handle it. And that's what you had this game. Will. I don't have too much more to add to that, Brayden, aside from, and this is just a first statement, the homie David McGoldrick, I'm you, man. I love you. We're here for you. I took so much joy in this match. My God. I'm the biggest Kristen Pulisic lover in the world because I'm an American, and that's not the best thing in the world right now. But I love him. But I took great joy in watching Chelsea get their asses handed to him by a team who I just want to see well because they just seem like they're having fucking fun. And in 2020, I just want a fucking happy story. So Sheffield, Chris Wilder, Gaffer, like, play football the Sheffield way and keep the shit going. And thank you for remembering the words that I totally lost it there for a second. But, like, I need this shit. I'm here for y'all. Again, McGoldrick, love you, my man. Just a... This brought me so much joy for... Two teams that have nothing to do with me. I'm low-key, like, on the Sheffield bandwagon. Meeting you all the way. Let's fucking go. Like, let's go to Europe and get weird Bremelin. So true. Hey, there was a time they could have made it to the Champions League. They still might, but I think they will be content if they do get Europa League at the end of all of this. Good win for the boys. Moving on. Yeah, Sterling. Moving on to the next. I think it might be better for Arsenal to not down the Europa League. Sterling, but he has a pretty solid goal total for the season. And a lot of it seems to be in kind of these mop-up type situations. Moving along to the next game. They all kind of count, so. Man City 5. I guess I good mean, for City. This was a game that um, Sterling scored the hat-trick in. If City is going to start doing this, it's going to get pretty annoying pretty quick. It was hard to remember where he Starting scored the hat Starting on Saturday. Again, when Man City is on point, they can really look good. And when Brighton are not playing good, they can look really bad. And that's what happened. Brayden. I 
I really don't have anything to add aside from like just congrats to Sterling on a hat trick. I don't have any fucking thing nice to say about this match, and I honestly have not a lot nice to say about City, and I'm trying to watch my words very carefully so I don't get shot in the street. <laughs> so let's just move on I to the next match. Be interesting, Will. Fuck them, and fuck New York City FC while at it, because MLS is on. Well, that is that. Moving along to the next game, Wolverhampton 3, Everton 0. Um, I'm going to give it to Will because he has a lot to say about this. I think it was a very good performance by a team vying for a Champions League spot against a team that hopes to be there in a couple of years. And um, it's hard to see sometimes when Everton gets um, shit so on like this, but I the, think Everton kind of represents this, represent this old way of, let's get the rejects uh, from I these bigger teams and see how it works. Whereas Wolverham Wonders have really mastered like this way of building a team and going about it the right way. And 3-0 was the ultimate The thing I want to talk about is the very last goal from Wolf and Ruben Neves. Something that I've have thought about about this goal is that Neves makes the tackle that leads to the goal and it's a brilliant tackle clean as a whistle he turns around field he drops a ball that I have described as putting it on the numbers if you watch American football you know what I'm talking about he puts it in the chest of Jota Jota takes a brilliant touch and hits it home I know that there are other players who can do that and I know that we've seen the week in week out but I think this Wolves team is just new enough that for some people, that's going to be a play that's going to make Ruben Neves someone to watch and make this team a team to watch. I've already talked about how high I am on Wolves. We've all talked about it tremendously. But low-key, go back and watch that ball and judge how judge from it what you will. But it is one of the better plays I've seen from that squad this season and one of the better, like, just individual plays from Neves. With the tackle and the pass included, Sapoon, it low-key gave me those Wayne Rooney MLS vibes. Yeah, I mean, I mostly no agree involved. with what you said. It was a Neves tackle, is a really a good player. Pass, and uh, a great goal. Wolves have a really Rooney's solid a team that Neves when they are playing well, but I, that's, I had vibes of that. They look it's one really tough to beat, and they can be a little mercurial, and they can be also, up and down. It was against Everton. Uh, but when Wolves are playing well, they're... Brayden, talk me off you can really see the individual talent that all these players have. Uh, I think you've said enough about the individual performances. Uh, you said great ball from Nevis. Um, there's there's not a whole lot more. I expected a little more from Everton, but Wolves really took it to them. Yeah, I mean, I think Wolves showed their quality that was just non-existent as far as Everton were concerned, and that led to the result that happened. Moving on to the next game, a relegation-threatened team playing Crystal Palace. Big, big result for Aston Villa. They won 2-0. I mean, I think uh, there was a lot of shit that happened before the game in terms of the racist messages that got sent to Wolfred Zaha and in it turning out to be a 12-year-old boy after police investigations who got arrested. I don't know what the current status is, but I'm sure that affected the morale and um, what probably Wolfred Zaha was definitely feeling. Um, it's getting kind of out of hand, in my opinion, about what is happening, especially when these players are taking the knee before a game and wearing Black Lives Matter patches. Uh, 
I don't know. Actually, I know what I want to say, but I'm not going to. There, It's a 12-year-old kid that is kind of baffling to me. And it kind of takes the game away from, you know, what you really want to be talking about in, I guess, Trezeguet scoring two goals in a game, which I don't think he had scored one before in the Premier League. So uh, big on him. But again, kind of um, for me, this I'd game, I'll remember for what happened to Wolfen Zaha. And yeah, uh, social media was, getting used by a 12-year-old should not, not be a thing, they have. in my opinion. Late, and but, on top hey, of that, all the racist messages show you how toxic to an environment if you can't social media tell, can be. Well, male, it's a 12-year-old kid, and I know that there are people who are like, but he's 12. The reason that people take the knee, the reason that people protest, the reason that people do these things is because a 12-year-old boy thinks that that's okay to say. And the fact that a child thinks that's okay to say is not right. And the punishment may not fit the crime because he's 12. And I'm not even going to say that because I don't even know. But it's a learned thing. It's something that needs to stop. And whoever, even if he got on social media by himself. Yeah, so I don't have a ton to add to that. Like, it's uh, making sure that people understand. Like you said, the fact that a 12-year-old would say this is kind of the problem, and I very much hope he learns something from this, but that's kind of not the point. Like, the point is that people are doing this and just kind of thinking that it's fine and there's no consequences, and I'm, in in a lot of ways, I'm glad he got his call, his card pulled for it. Um, But you're right, like, we should be talking about how great this was for Aston Villa. Like, this is big... Um, if they have any chance of going, staying up in the Premier League, they need this game, and uh, they got it. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about, which is unfortunate. Yeah, this was um Yeah, and this I think was it's kind a, this of was a tough one to take in. Like obviously any got, they got the game result but Spurs nobody's is really talking about that to, result anymore. So to to not get, get the result that you want there. And then when you add Jose on top of that, doubly annoying to Arsenal football club and one. Just, I was off my There's seat only so much you can Alexander say about like about the specific game because I think it's a it's and then a, a stark reminder that no matter what the improvements Arsenal made against Arsenal with Mikel Arteta until that defense becomes games you can less of a ticking time bomb, it's not really going to matter. Like they, they're going to have goal. moments where they just Braden, I'm completely do themselves in, and that I think that's what you have this game. Like Lacazette scores a banger. If you just get halftime at 1-0, I think Arsenal comfortably see this game out. Instead, they concede on a terrible back pass from Kolasinac. And that's kind of that's kind of it. Now we're now we're doing the whole nervousness at the back and just being I uh, uh, the inconsistent Arsenal we've seen for the past, you know, 5 6 However far back you want to go. And and I think that was the story of this game. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just 
I wanted Braden to go so bad. Um, for me, it if I can be 120% honest, I think I understand why Braden wants to jump off a cliff. I agree. But well, I'm going to rationalize that with this was a performance from Tottenham that was the best that Jose Mourinho can get out of them, which is getting away scot-free with a 2-1 win. I don't think they're ever going to well, he's a center that back. again. And I think there are better performances to be produced out of Arsenal based on what I saw. If you guys fix the defensive frailties, y'all look, y'all look kind of sexy up front. Like, I dig it. But y'all look slapdash at the back. And that's the problem. And they got caught out on a set piece by, like, Toby Alawadal, who had, I, I, homeboy hadn't scored in a hot minute. Like, you got caught out on a very basic set piece. I know, but like even then, he's like he's a he's a very stout man. I follow him on Instagram. So I'm going like, to disagree. Well, I'm going to disagree with a little a bit of that because I do feel that, that Spurs does. You can no, argue that the that. correct I don't, like, outcome in this game this was a draw, but if a team was going Spurs to win, I think you would have to pick Spurs the way Arsenal was. Like, it was just trying to kill bad. Like, outside of Lacazette scoring the banger and Aubameyang uh, had a chance to be hit better, the crossbar on. Outside of that, like, Arsenal didn't really do much, and I don't think they deserve to win. So I, I'll come in and I will say that I agree with Brayden on that. I think Harry Kane had quite a few chances. I think he hit the post with one of those. And Son, I think, had another chance where he, if he had squared it off to Kane, that, that probably ends up in the back of the net. Like, Arsenal had a lot of the possession. They quote-unquote controlled the game, but I don't know if I would say that they were really the team in charge, and if somebody was going to win it, when it was 1-1, it was going to be Arsenal. I always fancy a Mourinho win against Arsenal at home, and I think, yes, it was Toby getting the goal out of nowhere, but again, it's one of those things where set pieces and defending overall, Arsenal's not strongest suit, and uh, that's what ended up costing them the game. Moving along to the next game, this was quite the wild, wild ride. Bournemouth for Leicester City won. So Yunchu sent off after kicking, I think Solanke was it, after he scored his first Premier League goal for Bournemouth. Don't really have words to describe Leicester City. They absolutely fell the fuck apart in that second half. I think Ndidi should have been sent off. So Yunchu did get sent off. Casper Schmeichels absolutely was wild after that. Uh, missed pass that led to the penalty uh, and they just never recovered after the penalty in my opinion and uh, I, Bournemouth this big match, big three points big even in I, terms of in the my notes, I have swing the words, that it the has on the goal difference for Leicester because that was kind of what was keeping them apart from Chelsea sense. and United up top uh, and again a big goal differential boost for as well in terms of their hunt I think it was Callum Wilson got kicked out at what did goal, you think about this? Which goal? ended up in a red card for Sionju. Uh Lester just imploded so hard they gave away an own goal. Dominic Solanke 
gets a goal, his yeah, second goal, I, I don't is just so casual and still classy that they should not I did that. not see this the coming. Reggie, who I always uh, with the way Bermuda had played, and, team have some hope, yeah, I, I guess I can kind of see it from the way that Leicester had played. Uh, they kind of left it all out in the pitch against Arsenal uh, to get their draw. Good for them, I guess. But like that, that first goal, they their results did not look good. But I did not expect Bournemouth to get anything from this game. I thought Leicester would see it comfortably through and that was not the case so good for the chase we'll see they've got a tough run in the rest of the way but we'll see what they can do Yeah, I think that could be pretty much the game that saves them, in my opinion. Um, I think it gives them a much-needed boost in order to go up into their upcoming games. I think the game against Man City was always going to be tough, and I don't expect them to get anything out of it. But this is a big three points that without which they would not really be in a position to even be considered to stay somehow up in the Premier League. Moving along to the last game of the betting bets that we made, um, there was one game today that we can discuss. Um, but before that, Manchester United 2, Southampton Football Club 2, an absolutely, I guess, heartbreaking draw for Manchester United, 96th minute equalizer. For the first, not for the first time, but one of the few times in my life, I was just like, I guess that's what it felt like to concede a goal when it was Fergie time back in the day. Um, Big big win for South uh, draw for Southampton. I think they played well. Um, Paul Pogba showed both his the mistakes that he's prone to with the way he gave away the first goal, but also the way he passed it to Tony Marshall for the first goal for Man United's comeback. And I want to point this out specifically, and it's something that doesn't. I don't think a lot of people will notice right now until it becomes very very obvious. Tony Marshall is somebody who was a winger. He was playing as a center forward because that's where he wanted to play. He wanted to be a number nine. And under Solskjaer this season, he has really developed into a proper center forward. And that first goal really showed his class where he gets a very quick ball from Pogba and something that I think other years, it probably just touches his feet and goes away. He holds onto the ball and holds it up takes out two defenders and passes it to Rashford who has a one-on-one versus the keeper and just shoots it in. And I think that is something that is going to be a very interesting uh, progress to keep an eye on to see how Martial keeps doing this. I think he's getting in the goals in terms of scoring some of the striker goals that you normally hadn't seen him score previously. He's starting to score the brilliant goals again when he goes out on the left and starts cutting in. And um, overall, I think United are in the up and up. Uh, Much as Southampton, I think ever since their Uh, 9-0 loss to Leicester City, they have turned it around. They're playing some really good football. And for the manager, I think you're starting to see shades of his Leipzig team that you saw back in the day. Um, And who knows if this team keeps going with the quality that they have in Warprouse and Danny Ings and everybody. If they can keep that band together, they might make a run for Europa League next year as well, this Will. is one of those games where I'm going to come to you first. Football. What did you think? Sometimes it happens, man. Sometimes, sometimes the soccer gods say no. And as much as I enjoyed it, I'm not going to sit here and act like 
one, this wasn't a good game that saw. Yeah, so I had a couple things that I wanted to point out from this game. Uh, The first is that I very much enjoyed some of the Manchester United fan comments on Twitter about how much stoppage time was added. Um, That did my heart a little good to see their dismay there, uh, to to your point that you made, Sapoon. Uh, to the point about Marshall, I think this is a little bit of what you see when you have a guy who I, I think he feels a little bit more comfortable in the position. And I think he feels a bit more comfortable in that there is going to be another chance. So when you have only a few chances to do something, you I, I think he rushes a little bit and sometimes tries to force the issue. But when you know another chance is coming, I think he can slow down, do a little bit more of you know the things that he does like you mentioned and that made the difference there and i think you see a little bit of that progression and i think it has a lot to do with the team around him playing better overall uh the last thing that i want to talk about is i expect the southampton team to push for a europa league spot next year if they can keep their team together like they are they had a disastrous start of the season uh but they are really clicking now and if they can keep all of these guys together, maybe make a couple additions. I think that's going to be a really interesting team to watch. Uh, so at the end, I don't know that if I was a United fan, I wouldn't be that worried about this result. Uh, in any other season where uh, you had a, a kind of normal champions instead of the ones that have just run away with everything, I think this wouldn't look that out of place. It's just... You know, compared to what Liverpool have done, anything less than perfect seems seems like a big letdown. Um, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. It's just a small hiccup for United. They're going to continue to be on the up and uh, take it further from here. Let's hope so. And I do agree with what you said about Tony Marshall. It does definitely affect his mentality when he knows the likes of Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba can give him chances over the course of 90 minutes and doesn't have to do everything the one time he touches the ball. I will say this is probably the worst game that Bruno Fernandes has played for Manchester United. So maybe the magic is wearing off a little bit or maybe the high press from Southampton was something uh, very good and something to keep an eye out on uh yeah like you Moving mentioned to for the chelsea i think this was this uh, podcast, ncaa tournament chelsea time it was Norwich, survive no, and i don't advance. really have a lot to say i you can talk not, about wanting chelsea to score more goals won by more that's goals. fine look like uh, other shit chelsea just need three points for, from today as far and that's as chelsea what we got. goes so, they were probably uh, good for them i think you're right about the champions league spot and i think it's a great job by frank lampard a little bit of a weird season this um, year in, in a way that the top four shake out with coming up on uh, right Sunday, now fourth place with three so games to go three points for them. I think the win effectively, uh, which is cleared them into the absurd. fact that they're going um, to get a top four position now because they're four uh, points clear well, of Leicester so and United will play each other on the final day. Leicester having a very tough run of fixtures coming up and, you know, I think unless United go on a run and Chelsea somehow end up losing both of their next games, they are in the Champions God, League next season, which is, I guess, Frank a commendable job for Frank Lampard. I think, what did you honestly, make of that, Brady? I think this season for him is going to make his stock go up a little bit just because he managed to get this team to where they are with with the pandemic happening right in the fucking middle of the season. And legitimately, I'm going to give him a I'm going to give him personally a little more credit for doing what he did with this team as quick as he did, like, Hand to you, Frank. 
I appreciate it. Also, sexiest man alive, Olivia Giroux, scored a goal. What? Okay, I mean, I I do think that people Lampard has done very well with this team, but I think people kind of get Later. overboard with all the hype that they're going in with him about because at the end of the day, yes, they lost Hazard. Yes, there was quote-unquote a transfer ban. Yet they managed to make sure that Pulisic came in right in time and they had their lone army of the 30-plus odd players that are out there and brought the best of them back in Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount, who he also managed at Derby County. So I think there are situations and context that you need to take into account before going crazy and i'm not saying that about you will but i'm saying that about chelsea in general i think they're not as close at the as the numbers might suggest they're signing a shit ton of players but i think if kepa stays their goalkeeper and they don't sign a, a center back i think they're still going to struggle next season with that uh that brings us to an end of this episode of the podcast we'll be back with some more betting tips some more insights for the upcoming week's games and we'll see you on the other side cheers Weeks games, and we'll see you on the other side.